0: in his love. Oh, trust the Lord. Oh, my soul. All right. So to start our message today, I'm going to ask you to join me on what was at the beginning a little bit of a, a personal journey, a conversation with God that happened during the, the feasting and fasting that we did in January. But as it unfolded... I felt like the Lord was speaking to me for more than just me, but it was something that he wants for our church family, a blessing that he wants to bestow, an anointing, so to speak, of his Holy Spirit in greater measure than already exists. It started in Hebrews chapter 3, as that was one of the verses in the feasting and fasting that we were looking at in regards to our relationships that we have with one another, and how we treat one another, how we live with one another, how we do life with one another. In Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, it says this, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, which is actually just a pretty wild verse that is spoken to a group of believers, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Yeah, WOW well, is right. <laughs> there's, a, <laughs> there's a lot in there. But the main thing that stood out to me was encourage one another daily. It's like, not like this is a new verse, but that's one of the beautiful things that the Holy Spirit will do as we come with childlike hearts to read afresh and have the Holy Spirit speak to us afresh. It was just kind of that highlighted, like blinking. Encourage one another daily. That's really where the emphasis was. And it's like, man, the world could use some of that right now. Right? Our people living encouraged are people positive about the direction of their life do they believe a good future is coming are they able to make that faith-filled claim like we try to do regularly that the best is yet to come Amen. and it's like whew, i mean and it, No, is the answer, right? It's like, well, if you just kind of take a poll, you look at the countenances on faces, you hear the chatter. If for some crazy reason you go online to social media and try to get encouraged, it's not going to happen. There is so much despair, fear, negativity that God's word has some good news. And we can feel those things too. Certainly not immune to the the challenges that we're facing in this present day and age. We got to fight for encouragement. We have to fight for encouragement. Why? Well, because discouragement is coming at you every day. Discouragement and despair are knocking on the door, if not barging in the door. Coming at us, saying, hey, partner with me. partner with this negativity, and it's going to come, and it's going to fight you. You can feel it, and so God's Word has one of those, you know, blinking lights of good news. Encourage one another daily so that you don't get hardened by sin's deceitfulness, and that's the fight coming against you, that We have a a deceiver, an enemy who's prowling around like a roaring liar. uh, Like a roaring liar, yes. Absolutely exactly. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Like a roaring liar, and that's what he is, trying to deceive us to not believe the the promises of God. And and this is remember, this is written to the church. So let's we're not immune to this. And if we allow those messages to Form our thoughts, if we allow those to be the the newsreel in our mind, what can happen to us is we can get deceived. You could call it a micro deception. This is not, you know, this is not saying, oh, now you don't believe in Jesus anymore. This is in this grand big scale. This is about what are you believing today about your life? And are you believing the promises of God? And you know you are if you're hopeful. Today is going to be a good day. This week's going to be a good week. This month's going to be a good month. This year's going to be a good year. The best is yet to come. Because Psalm 23, 6 and many other things say, God is pursuing me with steadfast love and goodness. And he is the most unstoppable force in the universe. If I believe that, I have hope. And so sin can deceive us on the the micro levels, and I really think that's where it's most dangerous for believers, for Christians. You know, if you've been walking with Jesus a long time, you're really not in a place of a threat to like, I'm going to wake up and by the end of the day I don't believe in Jesus anymore. It's going to be the little micro deceptions of the enemy. And what does it say they do? They harden our hearts towards God just that little bit of hardness, that callousness, where it's like, oh, I I was hurt because I didn't feel like God came through how I wanted, and now now my heart's a little hard, and I I I don't believe anymore that that promise is gonna happen. That little hardness of heart. And God has the antidote to that, which is encourage one another daily. This is where the body of Christ becomes so powerful. Are we supposed to seek the Lord on our own and strengthen ourselves in the Lord? Yes, that's in the Bible too, but that's not enough against Satan's biggest tactics. We need to encourage one another daily. And so this verse was like popping out. It's like, oh yes, Lord, make me more like that. What if all Christians took this little phrase, encourage one another daily, what if all Christians, all believers, or just everyone in my own family, like you can make it micro to macro, what if we all took this on as part of our mission, our identity, our calling, our task, our assignment, to look for brothers and sisters that need even those little micro encouragements, maybe even on a daily basis. So, this is what the Lord was speaking to me. I'm like, wait, there's, I think there's another verse in Hebrews that talks about a similar thing. So, let's go look that up. So, I went and looked up Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says, So, let us consider how to stir one another up. The actual literal word there is spur, which is a fun one. Like be a like how a cowboy kicks a horse. It's sharp. They start running because it's uncomfortable. Like it's a pointed object. That's the picture. Let us kind of spur one another, kind of poke each other a little bit, maybe once in a while, uncomfortable to make boom to to stir one another up to love and good word, good good works, good deeds not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. So that same phrase, encouraging one another, is the centerpiece of that verse. So I decided to look up the word. All right, this encouragement thing, God's saying something. He's he's encouraging me. He's challenging me and then I'm already feeling like I think this is just a good fresh word for our church family, I'm gonna go look up that word encourage that's the centerpiece of both of these verses. So I looked it up. It's a word parakaleo. And as soon as I read that, I, it was one of those fun moments of like connect, the connectedness of the Bible. And it was like a revelation because it was like, wait a second, wait a second, you're kidding me right now. That word, I know that word, not from anything about like encouraging one another. I know that word from the name given to describe the Holy Spirit, that Jesus gave the Holy Spirit a, a ministry name, so to speak. And I know it's that word. But I looked it up just to confirm, and sure enough, in John 14:26 and 15, Twenty-six. The word parakaleo is there. It's in the noun form, parakletos, and it is used to give the Holy Spirit a name that describes his ministry. It's crazy. Jesus used this word to give the Holy Spirit's ministry like a functional name. Like there's a, uh, what's that called? A definitive article on it. Like the is there's that little word the in the Greek before the word parakletos to say like, this is like a name. The parakletos, the paraclete. So here's the two. And I'm not defining it yet on purpose. Verse 26 and 14. Excuse me, chapter 14. Jesus says, But the parakletos, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So clearly talking about the ho- Holy Spirit names him or calls him the paraclete or the paracletas. And then a chapter later, 1526. And when, or but when the paracletas comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So before we define it, here's kind of that. <laughs> Like, wow, are you kidding me? Fresh revelation of sorts. that it, it, it sounds too profound to say out loud. Borderline blasphemous if the Bible wasn't clearly making connection. But the idea is that the name given to the Holy Spirit is the same action call to ministry that you have from God to be for one another. Amen. Just in the Bible. <laughs> the same parakaleo ministry work of the Holy Spirit is to be done by believers for one another. I mean, that is straight Bible. Parakaleo, one another. Parakaleo, one another. Parakaleo, one another. And by the way, the Holy Spirit is the parakletos. The same parakaleo ministry of the Holy Spirit is to be done By believers for one another. That is a high and holy calling. A high and holy assignment. These are some of the reasons why I say, like, man, if you're a Christian, you should never be bored. That's on you. You just got called to live out the same kind of parakaleo ministry as the Holy Spirit. So get to work if you're bored. You got stuff to do. And now part of us ask like, oh, well, how can that be? How could, how could I, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough. How could I be doing the same parakaleo as the Holy Spirit? There's a great passage in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 4. And I apologize, it's not in your notes, but you can take notes and come back to it. But the Apostle Paul uses the word parakaleo five times in two sentences. And then he actually goes on in the next two verses and uses it five more times. So he literally uses the word parakaleo 10 times in like four verses to describe this ministry of parakaleo to one another. And here's the key. And what's the power source to make it happen and so for time's sake i'm just going to read the first two verses and it's abundantly clear so the esv translates parakaleo comfort in this passage which is fine it's good but i would just say every time you see comfort think parakaleo because it's broader than comfort although clearly and beautifully includes that so here we go paul says blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, of all parakaleo, who comforts us in all, excuse me, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So how is it possible that you can enter into that same parakaleo ministry of the Holy Spirit? What Paul clearly says is, freely you have received, freely give. What God has done in you, he wants to do through you. What God has done in you, he wants to do through you. That's why Paul uses parakaleo ten times in four verses to make the simple point, we can comfort others with the comfort with which we have been comforted by God. So there's the supernatural power that it takes to be able to enter into that same parakaleo ministry of the Holy Spirit. When God has supernaturally encountered you, you have his supernatural power to pass it on. Let's explore this word parakaleo a little. It's not that complicated, it's just rich. It means comfort, encourage, exhort. The nuance of it, is that there's a there's kind of a spectrum there where those three words, comfort, encourage, exhort, are all connected. They're connected by parakaleo has a root word, kaleo, which means to call forth. I love this. So the sense of parakaleo, the root of it all is when you are calling forth the person into more of their God-given identity and destiny. That's what God does for you. The Holy Spirit, parakaleos you, calls you forth into more of your identity and destiny in Christ. There's a call And therefore, comfort, encourage, and exhort are all on this spectrum of nuance of what it looks like to call someone forth into more of their God-given identity and destiny. Like, you can take, in a sense, the same message, and you can make it comforting, encouraging, or exhorting. Exhorting is more on the, the, the strong challenge end. Comfort is more on the, the comforting end. So if just play this out for a moment. Let's say God is calling someone forth into a greater measure of their identity and destiny, and by listening and being patient to the Spirit, you sense that in the moment, this person is needing more of that comforting end of the parakaleo spectrum. So it's like... It's the, it's the gentle. Hey, it's going to be okay. God's with you. God's going to make it happen. It's all good with him. You're going to make it through this. You got this. He's got this in you. That's a very comforting calling forth. The encouraging might be, oh man, I've seen that in you. Amen. God's got that. Step that up. Go for it. Do it. The exhorting end may be, hey, let's go. You know this. Fan it into flame. Come on. Step up. Let's go. You know, that's just an example of all of those are a calling forth, but there's more of a sense of a comforting, an encouraging, and an exhorting. It's cool and interesting that the word parakaleo means all of those. Rooted in this calling forth, calling you into more of who you are in Christ. So it's a very rich, deep, powerful word that represents the ministry of the Holy Spirit as he calls us forth. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is just abundantly comforting in calling us to who we're made to be. Sometimes it's that encouragement, encouragement, you got this, man. And other times it's a bit stronger, like now is the time. Step up. And the Holy Spirit knows what we need and when we need to hear what and what we can handle. And so that's part of where in this high and holy calling, it's, it's sobering and there's a, an awe and a, and, a, and a fear of God, a humility that we want to take on to say, what does it look like to parakaleo, this person in this moment? And there's one other sense of the word that is really fun. And it's kind of like, feels like out of left field, but then not. And the word, or the, the word parakletos, has a very strong sense used in other places in the word as an advocate. 1 John 2, 1. My little children, I'm writing these things so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate, a parakletos, Exact same word, it's the noun form. It's the same word, the literal same noun form word used in John 14, 26 and 1526 to describe the Holy Spirit. We have a parakletos, an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And if you look into it, there is that's there's a legal courtroom picture, the advocate, the one who fights on your behalf, the defender, so to speak. In opposition to the prosecution who wants to take you down, or you might say, the accuser. Are you choosing to be one another's advocates or accusers? so interesting that in a courtroom you have both an accuser and an advocate and whole teams that go with it and the bible is very clear that we all have an accuser and an advocate the accuser of the brethren is satan himself and all of his minions who accuses us of being unworthy who accuses us of all sorts of lies against us and then we have an advocate who fights on our behalf But this morning, we're more talking today how we treat people. And there is this interesting, wow, clear choice. Whose side do we want to be on? Because let's, let's be honest. The body of Christ is sadly fantastic at tearing each other apart. At seeing each other's worst and then talking about it with other people. Division. I'm not saying this body, although it's happened, but we're getting much better. But the body of Christ in America, why do we have to have 10,000 denominations? I mean, part of that can be good. Part of it's terrible. Because it's as soon as I don't agree with you on everything, I'm going to make accusations against you. I think I've got it all right, and I'm going to go start my own thing. That is American Protestant freedom gone awry. Because it's division in the body of Christ. We want to make it a utter last ditch, last just possible thing to get on the side of the accuser. Actually, we never want to be on the side of the accuser. Is there a time and a place to speak truth and correction in love? Absolutely, that's in the Bible. But that's not what we're talking about. This is, are you being an advocate where you're calling out the best, you want the best for them, and you're taking on the role of fighting for them, so even when you see them in the wrong, and maybe you're right, you still have the heart that says, I'm for you. I'm fighting for you. And God, help me be a a conduit of your Holy Spirit to where I could be just a a sliver of the parakletos in the moment and give some comfort, encouragement, and exhortation but I am for you. And maybe that's the biggest thing right there is we have to decide when we're speaking with one another or about one another or thinking of them. It's a real easy thing. Where's your heart coming from? Are you for them or against them? Are you an advocate or an accuser? And if we can get that right, then that will truly lead, guide, dictate how we speak to them. If you're for them, they will know it. So this is a high and holy calling. It's challenging. It's healthy. It's worth the work. Because the scripture says it is. (laughs) He gives us a high and holy calling that we need each other to do this for one another, to grow into the fullness of Christ. So for better or for worse, we need each other in this, so therefore it's worth putting in the work in our hearts to say, God, make me an advocate and only an advocate for my wife, for my kids, for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Be each other's advocates. I remember when I was doing some marriage counseling with a couple who was recently married, and I was telling them at that time, maybe, I don't know, maybe been married 16, 17 years, and saying one of the biggest things that has blessed our marriage is the idea that we are we are called to in marriage to be each other's advocates not adversaries your job is not to point out their sins your job is to be for them in every way possible Ephesians 5 way ups the ante for the men, by the way, because it says to be the head is the tip of the spear, the first one ready to go die in battle, to sacrifice yourself, to lift up your wife. That's the essence of being her advocate. You will go, not I'll take a bullet someday. No, you'll die daily because you are for her. And sometimes you have to die to yourself to lift her up. That's being an advocate. And so we're called to that in marriage and we're called to that in everything. (laughs) When it says, when the Bible says like, walk like Christ in love and sacrifice, (laughs) that's for everyone. That's toward everyone. That's outward in how you treat others. So your spouse, your kids, and then on out. To be each other's advocate is a high and holy calling. There's one other verse that I can't help but go to because it puts such precise language on what can be a prayer, a cry of our heart. It doesn't use the word parakaleo, but it uses a very similar one that talks about the same exact concept of building others up with our words. So Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace To those who hear, only such as is good for building up. It's like, wow, I've been meditating on that. The word only. One word, only. I'm thinking about it right now, a lot. Only. That the words coming out of my mouth, only. are only good for building up. That's all they're that's all they do. It's right there in the Bible. That it may give grace to those who hear. If you actually look at that, that's another like what what? It's like that's that if you literally like is that blasphemous? I thought God gives grace. And here the Bible's saying my words can give grace. Yes, it's in the Bible. And it's this, talk about a high and holy calling. The words that you say can be a means of grace. That's the classic phrase in, in church history, a means of grace. A conduit of grace. Things that connect us deeper with God things that help us encounter God. And so there's all these debates in church history about what are the means of grace? It flowed into this question of sacraments. How many sacraments are there? And there's all these you know, conflicts, blah, blah, blah. Church history, what's the one thing that everybody agrees on? The Lord's Supper. So let's, as an example, that is a means of grace. The Lord's Supper is a sacrament, a means of grace that as we partake in it, it, is, it connects us with God, a connection to his grace a fresh experience of his empowering presence. And the Bible is saying that your words are designed to be an encounter with God for others. The empowering presence of God can be in your words. That's why Proverbs says, you know, in the tongue is life and death. Choose life. So could this be our prayer, our goal? God, may I only speak words that are good for building up, that give grace. It makes me laugh saying it. It's like, that's God's job. And God's like, yeah, welcome to my family and my army. I don't need you, but I chose you. So you are meant to be a means of grace. You're the light of the world. I thought Jesus was the light of the world. Yes, and then he says, and you're the light of the world. See, it's all the same. When we encounter God, then he says, now pass it on. May I only speak words that are good for building up, that give grace to those who hear. Wow. What a prayer. What a goal. What a God help me. I'm not there yet. So lastly, let's just go back to Hebrews. Those two passages. I just want to highlight a couple key, a few key things of what does this Holy Spirit ministry of advocacy and exhortation, encouragement, and comfort look like in community? And there's a number of things in Hebrews that just, bam, they kind of rattle off. So let's look at them real quick. The first thing that pops out is it's in the imperative form. Hebrews 3, 12, excuse me, 13. Encourage one another daily. That's in the imperative tense, meaning it's a command. It's not an option. If you are a follower of Jesus, this is part of the way of life of following Jesus. You don't get to opt out unless you want to be disobedient to Jesus. You don't get to make excuses like, well, my personality this, or my background that, or my culture this. Encourage one another daily. It's a holy calling. Now, will it look different for different people? Yes. So there's much grace for the journey. But it is a command. It's part of the the ethos of heaven. It's part of the ethos of God's kingdom. So as followers of Jesus who want to become like Jesus, this is clearly part of who he is and what his kingdom is all about. And we have the privilege to take that on, receive it from God, and then pass it on to others as a way of life. And I will say, in the last... Two, three, four, five years, you all have taken this on in a way that is mightily encouraging. Amazing, truly. Like after the service on Sundays is many times my favorite part of the day. To see how many people stick around for a long time intentionally in order to have encouraging conversations with one another is the most beautiful thing. And right after the service, it happens a lot where people go to one another and they pray for one another and they speak life to one another and encourage to one another. That has been an intentional practice that has been growing over the years and I would say is a clear part of the ethos of the church. So it's already happening. So this is not a brand new idea in any way.
1: that's the sense. It is on. Oh, I just lost the batteries. I can check the battery. Yeah, I
0: need a new battery. If someone has <laughs> any batteries. It's on. No, it's not on. There's no batteries in it. But this is on. I'm gonna sing like Cynthia. Hey, my voice is a little better today, huh? That was—that was. No, this mic is. This is hot. No. Let's do that. See how called me up with my voice. Are we back? Okay. Moving on. After I say one more time, genuinely, you guys are making a concerted, intentional effort to grow in this. We see it. It's awesome. I'm very, very proud of our church in this way. Truly. But there's always more. And that's what I believe God's calling us to in this year is more intentionality, more nuance, more His spirit to both hear from Him for one another and to have that courage and that boldness to regularly speak it out. That it's part of our identity as believers. It's just part of what we do. In the same way, we're like, you know, we just show, we go to church. It's part of our identity, and it's like there's lots of things that are part of our identity that then it, it just let it come natural. So we go to church, we gather, and we encourage. It's kind of like you know we don't just go to church and show up. There's a lot more to it than that. We go to church and we encourage each other. We're looking for that opportunity to encourage someone. And I think that's part of that shocking phrase in here of it's daily. Encourage one another daily. It's like, well, <laughs> I only see him once a week. So how's that going to work? So let me parse that out a little bit. First of all, it's, it is a different time in that if you live in a little village and everybody that you know, you know essentially lives within 200 yards of you, it's, a, it's easier to see one another daily, right? We are much more mobile than humans have ever been in civilization's history. So daily is a little different. However, what I am confident God would say is regularly. Encourage one another regularly regularly. And it goes on to say in in chapter 10, don't stop meeting together as some would do, but encourage one another. And so there's this picture of part of the reason we gather is not so what you can get, but so what you can give. That's what's in here. It's like church does not exist so I can say, what do I need to get out of it today? It's what can I give? How am I going to make a contribution? How can I encourage someone? And that one verse right there flips the entire consumer church culture on its head. You know, where it just says, we live in this consumer world that says, what we should assess as valuable is, what can I get out of something for the least cost to me? I think that's fantastic if you're looking for a couch, (laughs) not a church. So we got to be careful that that consumer culture doesn't permeate how we think about God and relationships with one another. Now does God want to fill you up and bless you in church, through church? Absolutely. A hundred percent. So I don't like the other end of the spectrum, like, well, it's not about you. It's not about getting blessed. It's not about getting filled up. Yes, it is. Absolutely. In your presence is fullness of joy. Why do you think Jesus opened the Sermon on the Mount saying, bless you, bless you, bless you, nine times? Because God's heart is to bless you, to treat you like a favorite child and give you grace that takes you from hell to heaven. I want the blessing. Amen. <laughs> but it just doesn't stop there. We don't stop as Christian narcissists and say, oh, thank you, and now I'm keeping it for me. No, the natural outflow is, now I want to pass it on. That was good. Wow. That was <laughs> last couple of things that we're going to just practice this right now. So if you don't know me, like I like to be wacko, that's one of my things for the you're not joyful childlike. Don't take myself too seriously. It's like those are, that's one of my goals for this year is growing in childlikeness. where it's just kind of funny. It's like, dude, we don't, we have no idea what we're doing. Like we, 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 we are like, we don't have it all together. So just laugh at yourself. If good things are happening in your life, say, thank you, Jesus, that stumbling along the way, there's some good fruit, but I'm just, I'm a little kid. Like I'm in, in your eyes, I'm childlike and I just need you so I can laugh at myself. So if you ever see me starting to get a little silly up here, that's me living out a goal of being growing in childlikeness as I get old <laughs> two other quick things these verses in hebrews show how we're called to be protective of one another where it, where it says see to it brothers and sisters that's all in the plural so, so the writer of Hebrew, the Hebrews is talking to the group. So he's saying, hey, you're a team. Maybe it's a good analogy for our present day. There's a team mindset on this, a family mindset, a body of Christ mindset. Where he's saying, the author's saying, look out for one another. See to it, brothers and sisters. That's saying, be on the lookout for who needs encouragement. It's spoken to plural as a group. And then it says, so that none of, you, none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away. And that goes into the singular. So it's like from group to singular, from team to individual, from family to the one who's hurting. And so there's this very team-oriented mindset that we are to look out for one another. Look, be on the lookout. For who needs encouragement? Another aspect is it's calling out the best. Just good to have that as our filter. We call out the best. As it says, to stir one another up to love and good works. You're Stirring one another up to the best. Loving God, loving others, good works. A last uh, idea here, and then we're just going to spend a little time putting this into practice. As I was just praying on it, thinking on it, about this high and holy calling. Part of it's like, well, God, why, you know, can't can't it just be that solo mission, you know? Me and you, God. Me and you because people are scary people can be hurtful people can wrong you people can betray you and now that's a fact all that's true why not just allow people to go with that because i've heard that a lot i'm not really into church maybe you know maybe like the messages here and there but it's just kind of me and god you know i don't really need to get involved develop relationships be intentional because it gets hard that's a fact So one of the many reasons to push through and and courageously face the, the truth of God's word that calls us to invest in one another to the point of encouraging one another is this amazing truth that the body of Christ needs you. That's one of the big reasons why God's not all about about the solo mission with you and God. Now, is your relationship start with this very personal place that it has to get very, very deep, personal, deep cries out to deep? There's intimate places between you and God that, that maybe nobody else on the planet gets to go, and that's probably okay, unless you have an utterly trusted person in your life but so it is unbelievably intimate and personal but it was never meant to stay individualistic God says to the degree I do things in you I want to do them through you the body of Christ needs you I haven't created your brothers and sisters to be fully built up into the likeness of Christ without you without your contribution. That's the context of Ephesians 4. He's talking about the body of Christ being built up to become more like the fullness of Christ. And he's saying, and we need you to do it. They don't have the power in themselves to grow into the destiny I have for them. I've put that power in you. You carry encouragement that someone needs today. You carry a blessing from God that someone needs today or this week. You carry prophetic word that someone is longing to hear from God, praying about, asking, God, would you speak to me? And He's like, I did through your sister and brother oh and they said no thanks you have a scripture on your heart that is going to lift someone out of anxiety or depression today you have an encouraging word that is going to help someone keep fighting the good fight even though they want to give up you have going you have a comforting prayer that could lift someone will lift someone out of the pit So God is saying, hey, I want you to see yourself how I see you. Well, high and holy calling. Don't keep my blessings from others. You have a ministry of the Holy Spirit to be someone's advocate this week. To fight for them. To comfort them. To exhort them. To encourage them. To point them to Jesus afresh. So this is already happening, but we want to say more, Lord, because we are just your children. (laughs) There's always more. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to spend a little time just putting this into practice right now. So what we're going to do is just spend a few minutes. Khalid, if you could come on up. A verse, please do, yes. But wow. Khalid, you can still come on up.
1: I'm actually shocked that you didn't do this one. Awesome. Ready? Ready? 1 Corinthians 14 1. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to god for no one understands him sorry for no one understands him but he utters the mysteries of the spirit on the other hand the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation guess what word is in there when you prophesy and Listen to the Holy Spirit to deliver the upbuilding and the encouragement. Ready? The word building up is oikodome, and the word encouraging is paraklesis. We have the ministry of the Holy Spirit because the gifts of the Spirit and one of the primary gifts of the Spirit that we should all desire and that God desires all of us to operate in. Earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially that you may prophesy. That's for everybody. It's for everybody. Every single person here is called and qualified to deliver God's heart of encouragement to lift up, to build up, and to encourage. And that word is paraklesis, which is the verb form, right? Or the noun, noun. Or is it a noun? Yeah, it is a noun. So, and just another example. Do you want to pray? Yeah.
0: So, what we're going to do is just take a few minutes, and Khalid will play a little worship music in the background. And so, at a baseline right now, if, if all you want to do right now is just have a quiet moment with the Lord, process what he's saying, maybe join into a worship song, pray to him, stay right where you're at. That's totally fine. But, but we're, we're going to have a little fun. We're going to have a little adventure. And we're going to pray and just pray for that increase of that encouraging one another daily, specifically along the lines, even what Don just read that verse about Getting those, those words of encouragement for one another from the Lord. So we're going to pray for that and just give a few minutes and open it up. And if you feel like you have a word of encouragement for someone in this room, we want to encourage you to just go over to them, say it briefly, and just pray a blessing on them of that word of encouragement. And then it's up to them to process it, to weigh it, to decide to receive it or not. It might not resonate and that's okay. Um, and that's part of that process of learning in community to uh, seek and pursue those spiritual gifts that the, word, that the Lord said, that the verse that Don read, but do it in that safe and healthy way uh, for one another. And so I want to add to that as well that I believe there was a good, healthy, prophetic word that came on the Friday night when we did a worship night. And what we're about to do right now for one another, where we just open it up and allow the Lord to speak and then go and encourage and pray for one another, we did that on the Friday night worship. And during that time afterwards, actually, Steve came up to me and gave me this word that he felt was from the Lord uh, during that happened during that encouragement time. And it's very cool, and I feel like it's just right on. And here it is. This is the year of anointing oil overfilling, overfilling. It will be poured out in abundance to those who crave it. It will be lavished upon us. I love that word. It will be poured out to those who crave it. That's that right there. Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Not like, well, I'm kind of open to it, but it's a little wacko, so no thanks, God. Guess what? Probably not a lot happened in your life in this area. (laughs) Earnestly desire. Crave it. I want more of your anointing. God, more of your Holy Spirit to flow through me to encourage one another. Crave it. And I believe this word is right on. You crave it this year, it will be poured out in greater measure. Lavish. Lavished upon you. And it's 100% biblical. Yeah. So let's pray that right now, and then we'll just open it up for a time of ministering to one another, encouraging one another. Start us off.
1: Ooh. All right, yes, God, we just thank you that now is the time of the anointing of your fire of love within us. God, I thank you that there is an anointing right now filling this place, filling our hearts. Um, The lion is roaring and he is a lion of love that is running after his children, running after his bride. And God, I thank you that we have that fiery heart of your love within us And that we can, as you give us words of encouragement for one another, that we feel your heart within us going after, chasing after our brothers and sisters with your love to be their advocate, to lift up, to build up, to encourage, to empower them to become all that you have created them to be and to experience all the goodness that you created them to live in.
0: God, we thank you that you are the encourager, not the condemner. Yes. Thank, you. thank you that you are the advocate, yes. not the accuser. Yes. We ask that your Holy Spirit would pour out a great anointing of the heart of God, the oh, heart of God, the advocate, the encourager for one another. Thank you that you already have, and we are genuinely grateful and proud of this church body that shares your heart with one another. But we say, more, Lord, as this word from Steve says, we pray that this year is an overfilling abundance, lavished, your heart of encouragement for one another. And we do pray that it comes also specifically through Holy Spirit prophetic words, where we taste and see your heart, what you're doing, the encouragement, the promises that you want to bring to one another. And may it happen here on Sundays. May it happen in life group. May it happen at youth group. May it happen regularly where your people gather in your name. Your Holy Spirit brings encouragement to one another. And we ask that you would do that right now in this moment. So Holy Spirit, come. We're open. We're waiting. We're earnestly desiring and we're hungry to hear your heart that we can pass on to one another and bring that life more of your abundant life. So we pray this in the name of Jesus and we encourage you right now just to sit where you're at, reflect, talk to God. If you hear something for someone, go share it. Share it with that encouraging heart. Share it humbly then pray it. I feel like the Lord might be saying this. Can I pray that for you? Can I pray that blessing and do it? And let's Be that hands and feet right now, that ministry of the Holy Spirit, that body of Christ to one another. Jesus, do it. Amen.